welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week on the podcast, we're featuring a special archival Q&A from the 43rd New York Film Festival in 2005 with director Noah Baumbach on The Squid and the Whale, moderated by Philippe Lopate. Noah Baumbach returns to NYFF for this year's 60th anniversary edition with the opening night film White Noise, a wonderfully abrasive and precisely mounted period piece based on Don DeLillo's epochal postmodern 1985 novel, which befits our modern through-the-looking-glass pandemic reality. NYFF 60 passes are now on sale. Single tickets will go on sale to the general public on September 19th, with pre-sale access for FLC members and pass holders prior to this date. Learn more at filmlink.org NYFF. Owen Klein, who plays the youngest son in The Squid and the Whale, returns to film at Lincoln Center with his feature debut, Funny Pages, on August 26th with in-person Q&As and introductions. The actor-turned-director has also handpicked an assortment of films that influenced the world to which his hilariously dark and pleasantly unexpected debut belongs. Animating Funny Pages features 35mm screenings and plays through August 25th in our theaters. Explore the lineup and get tickets at filmlink.org slash Klein. Hi, I'm Philip Lopez on the selection committee, and this is Noah Baumbach, the director. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat the questions for those in the back. Was it difficult to get the Pink Floyd tracks? Um, it, it, I actually have I, I, a friend of mine uh, is close with Roger Waters, so I um, and uh, so I um, it, which. Just I, I wanted a Pink Floyd song before I knew that, but then when I discovered that, I went uh, to him personally, and uh, he was com- really into it, and he gave us... I mean, before we shot, we knew we had to get just the publishing rights so Jesse could sing it, um, and I hoped that uh, I would have the master, you know, that we'd be able to afford the Pink Floyd. I actually shot when they are in the teacher's office, and he turns off the tape recorder to prove to them that that Walt didn't write the song. I actually had to, sh- I shot it twice, one where he doesn't turn off the tape recorder because I wasn't sure I would have the song. But, um, uh, so we got it for a deferment. And so we, we actually got the song for no money up front. But then uh, when we were done, we went after the Pink Floyd song. And once we got a distributor, we could afford it. Yeah, the question was, uh, did you, when you wrote it, did you have this song in mind? And, and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't more people have known that song at the time in 1986? Well, I wanted it in a way to be a, a, b- a bit of a jump off a cliff for him when he does it, you know, um, and, you know, that Walt's in enough denial at that point, you know, that it's sort of like whatever happens, happens. I think it's, you know, probably not too thought out on his part. I think, you know, he starts it, it sort of little steps. He does it for his parents first, which I think was safe that they wouldn't know it. And then it's, you know, by the time he's doing it for the assembly, I think, you know, He's got a lot in his mind, um, <laughs> but um, I, I had um, uh, actually a friend of mine in college told me a story how he had uh, claimed to have written the Who song behind Blue Eyes for, and he told his parents that. So initially, I thought, well, maybe it'd be that Who song. But as I was writing the script, I wanted to make it a song that felt more um, so, something that was more. I was a bigger fan of Pink Floyd, so I, I went with Hey You. But yeah, I had it from an early, early draft. Can you elaborate on the casting? Yes, the the casting. Uh, I'm, you know, the, I, I I was thrilled with the cast. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, with good reason. Um, 
I, Laura was attached from a very early point on. Jeff uh, came later. Uh, um, the, uh, and the kids, you know, I, I auditioned lots and lots of kids and when, you know, they really, both Owen and Jesse really went through a lot to, I mean, by the time I cast them, I felt pretty confident. Same with Hallie who plays Sophie and, um, uh, and, and all the parts of, you know, from the, you know, the school therapist. I mean, I, 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 I really, um, you know, I did a Doug Abel who cast the movie and I just saw lots and lots of people and, you know, it's, it's like anything making a movie. You just sort of feel your way through it and you find the right match and, you know, um, uh, you know, but working with Jeff and Laura, I mean, particularly the scene where, um, where he brings the cat over and they stand in the doorway of his old house where she still is. I, I, that scene when I shot it was, I, I felt so thrilled to be with those actors because I did four takes on either side of, on, you know, and they were both so, in it and so they just did like slight variations in each take and it gave me all cutting that scene was such a pleasure and, and if, if i ever watch the movie when i have watched the movie i don't know if i'll ever watch it again but when i uh when i do watch the movie i i feel like when i get to that scene i just like can take a breath it's like you know it's I, it's just exciting to be around actors that good you know the scenes where frank walks his territory um you want to talk about that <laughs> Or do you want the tension? <laughs> Let's get the nervous giggles out. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I never thought of it in terms of my. It wasn't a conscious decision. You know, now I'm going to deal with this. It it just came from writing it. I, I, you know, I mean, it's an intimate movie. It's about private moments in people's lives. Um, you know, and and I thought a lot about Frank. You know, Frank for me. You know, he he's. You know, he, he's not articulate in the way that the others are. Um, and he's really going through, he sort of gets, I mean, he gets left behind literally, but I feel like he gets left behind, you know, you know, in the divorce. And, you know, when I was writing the script, I just thought a lot about, you know, what kind of, you know, wh where is he left? What's he going through in his life? How is, how is this all manifesting itself in ways that are less articulate? He doesn't have, you know, he can't claim to have written the Pink Floyd song. Um, you know, and can't bully his girlfriend like Walt and sort of act out in a much more articulate manner. And so I, you know, I never thought of it, though, from the outside in of thinking, oh, do I want to go in this territory? I really looked at it from the inside out. And, you know, it's like I said, it's sort of, I guess, about, you know, moments of intimacy. Shifting center. Who's, <laughs> whose movie is it? Discuss. <laughs> um Yeah, I I guess, you know, I I it never. I didn't think a lot about I need to make this one person's movie more than another person's movie. I I think you know in a, in a kind of organic way when I started writing, I wrote very much from the kids' perspective. I I, I was it was my way into the story. Um, was to, you know, I, I I think maybe the first scene I wrote was Frank and Walt walking to school talking about you know, mom getting published and, you know, and, and, and just sort of at the time playing with sort of how they're internalizing their parents' problems and how they relate to each other. And, and so when I, the more I lived with the movie and, and worked on it, I came back at it from the parents' perspective. And I sort of, you know, I, I wrote the scene like that I mentioned earlier where they, you know, Jeff brings the cat carrier over things that the kids never could have witnessed. And, 
you know, I think by the end, I, I wanted it to be, you know, in some ways, maybe less traditional in that way, that, it, that, that it's a movie that you can watch and identify with whoever, you know, you know, wherever you're coming from that day, you know, even, or at that point in your life or that point, you know, in the hour, you know, and, and, uh, so, um, you know, the, you know, the ending is, you know, I, I guess in some ways is probably more focuses on Walt because, you know, Walt's story is still coming, you know, after the movie and, uh, you know, Bernard's story, you know, is, is, you know, not that he's not going to have more life, but it's, it's, you know, in a way, you know, the hospital scene says it all. He's, you know, that's who he is. You know, he's built these defenses around himself. He's sort of created this world for himself. And Walt's still got, you know, time left, you know. And, and so, in a way, that's the note I wanted to leave the movie on, uh, you know, and, and one of suspension in a way. But, um, uh, but I guess in answer to your question, I never, I wasn't that conscious of, shifting at any point you know and I, I just kind of wanted to let these people live you know uh the question about uh, the role of books and literature uh as trophies and just uh, w uh what, did, what what would you like to say about the role of literature in a movie i mean in a way it, it's another thing where it it it's there because those are the people i was writing about you know they were writers books were you know, in the house, and um, and I didn't think of it from the outside in. And you know, as somebody said to me the other day, going back to Frank marking his territory, you know, that 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 it's even books that he marks. And I hadn't actually thought of that. I just thought he'd probably be in a library at school. But I, you know, I like how books look, so I probably, um, you know, end up shooting a lot with books in the frame. But um, I. Uh, you know, I do think it is, you know, for Bernard, certainly, you know, success and books and Norman Mailer and Binky Urban are all, you know, tied up into some kind of, you know, I, I think kind of faceless idea of where he's not, you know, and um, and I think, uh, uh, you know, he thinks of books are his definition, you know, the book, the book that did well when, you know, back then when he was at George Plimpton's house. I mean, all those things, you know, I, I, I certainly thought about in terms of character, but I never really looked at it in a kind of general way of books as, you know, trophy or, you know, I think it's just how, how it was for this family. You know, books were, you know, in the divorce when they're separating things, books are just some of the more important things that they want to make sure they get, it, get away with, you know. Any reason why the bellows or the victim gets a close-up? <laughs> That's funny. You're the first person to mention that. I, I uh, every time I see that shot, I think, you know, when's someone going to mention the victim? Uh, <laughs> well, the uh, time has come. Uh, yeah. I well, it was a great old edition. So, and and it was off my parents' bookshelf. I used my actual my parents' real books. Um, part partly because it, they all had meaning to me. I think it gave me some kind of unconscious connection again to the to the material. But the uh, leopard is in the back and yeah, the leopards there too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, the victim, I guess, is a little bit of a joke, maybe of how Bernard sees himself, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this, uh, most of the characters say what's exactly what's on their mind. Uh, and sometimes they say things that are very surprising. Uh, the question is, I wonder if, uh, if, if each of these characters um, is not saying something that you know. <laughs> They're definitely not saying lots of things. I, I mean, I think, you know... 
probably what's very interesting to me about these characters is that they do they are very articulate and they 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 you know they understand psychology they they understand art they can talk you know uh you know thoroughly about a lot of things and uh but there are you know immense blind spots uh i think you know for them at the same time and i think that that's very interesting to me is people who can uh you know, rationalize and, and, uh, you know, sort of use words in some ways as a, you know, protection. You know, I, I think, uh, Bernard could probably analyze other people, you know, pretty well, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how good he is at analyzing himself, but he's very good at rationalizing. And so, I mean, in answer to your question, yes, I think there are lots of things. Do I know what they are? I mean, I don't know. I never thought about it quite that way because in some ways I don't want to know more than you know than I'm putting out there it's it's uh I'm aware that there are things that are not being said and you know if you took a particular scene I could probably say she probably means x she's saying y or or vice versa but I I uh you know in some ways I like to leave some of it a mystery to me too you know question about the title um was it always in your mind or did it evolve um the the title, it t I, I, there was no title for a long time. Uh, I, uh, um, I, I, I would, people would ask me what the movie, what I was writing, friends of mine, and I would say it's about my parents' divorce. Uh, that wasn't, I thought at one point maybe of calling it my parents' divorce. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do that. Um, uh, um, but once I wrote, the scene I worked on for the longest time, I would say the scene that changed the most in every draft of the script, and, it, and I, uh, I, I changed it all the way up until I shot, was the scene with Walt in the th school therapist's office. And I think when I came to Walt's story, you know, organically in the script, and he started to talk about the squid and the whale, and then subsequently came to the end and wrote the ending, then I called it the Squid and the Whale, and then that was that. Um, it never had any title before the official title before that, um, uh, and uh, I pretty much knew at the time that I came up with that title it was a, probably a bad marketing decision, but it was a title that I really liked. So, well, well um, it's a question about the period and also the place. Uh, why were you emphasizing Brooklyn the way you did, the choice of subway stations and uh, across the park? And why don't you say something about Brooklyn? <laughs> well, there's the, I mean, sort of, I mean, two answers to that. I mean, one is I, I wrote it in Brooklyn in the 80s because that's when I was a teenager. And it was a time, it was a way for me when, in, in approaching the material, I think, to, uh, to, to connect to it emotionally, to really you know, to, in some ways, even in the writing of it, to surround myself with all these, you know, totems of the time, and 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 put myself in a place that I knew really well and was and was comfortable in, and and um, so, you know, the, the the subway stations, the the distance across the park, these were all things that were all part of my life then, you know, and and you know, were all part of living in Brooklyn for me, you know, um, so. I put them in there because it, it, you know, it was, you know, it, it was, it was how I saw it, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, 
and my parents did divorce and my dad did move to the other side of the park, although this is a work of fiction. Um, uh, I, uh, um, uh, you know, I, th the amount of stops was a huge deal. You know, it was, a, it was, it was, a, um, and, um, you know, not being able to walk there and, you know, and I, 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 I'm asked a lot of questions about Brooklyn in a kind of general way. And, you know, I, again, it's a thing I, I, I came at it from living there. I didn't look at it as a sociological or, you know, I mean, when I was then going back and making the movie and having to, you know, you know, go through set design and recreate all these places, I became very aware that what I, I another thing I really like about 1986 is that it is pre-digital. It, you know, people were still listening to records. I mean, CDs had started, but there was, you know, um, there was no email, there were no computers or very few computers and, you know, we didn't have any. And, and so I also like the aesthetic of it. Um, but the real answer is it's, you know, I, I, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's sort of the same way I, 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 why I use my books from my, my parents' house or I put Jeff in my dad's clothes. It's not to like literally reinvent the stuff. It's to, it's to, it's to help me connect to it emotionally, to find a, a familiar area that I can then invent in. I was more the guy referring to Kafka as Kafka-esque, I think. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I was too well behaved to plagiarize overtly um, <laughs> um, but um, I, I would certainly you know I, I think uh, I, I wrote a play my uh, senior year of high school which I think was completely ripped off Woody Allen um, and uh, um, you know I was I was very susceptible to influence and at the time and and um, uh, so you know it, it, you know I, I told the story earlier I mean it, it that was based on a friend of mine in college who told me the story of how he had had claimed to have written behind blue eyes and i um it did feel like an alternate version of me it's like i could have done that if i was slightly different you know just a different shade of who i was so you know in in creating walt i i brought that in because it felt like you know it was it was a kind of you know w way to you know explore a different you know, side of myself, you know, and, and a side of myself that maybe was, you know, a, a little more uh, um, susceptible to, you know, more of an overt train wreck than, you know, I, I was, I was pretty good at just sort of, you know, you know, I don't know, hiding it all and waiting till I was 30 to have any kind of crisis, you know, so, um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, I, I had friends who, you know, copied Lou Reed lyrics and just like you were saying, you know, and I think that goes on all the time and, you know, it's funny. Uh, question is, was I thinking about Kramer versus Kramer? I, I, no, I, I, I didn't think of any movies when I wrote this. I really didn't. I mean, I, I was aware. I've seen Kramer versus Kramer. I, you know, um, I haven't seen it in a long time. So um, I, it wasn't really conscious, but when I wrote the script, I just, wanted to write something that felt um, as close to me as possible without looking at other movies, um, uh, which was a change for me. I mean, I think, you know, I had, um, in, in the previous screenplays and things, I'd always think of movies and look at movies, and I still will, and when I write other things, it's just something about this I wanted to be as sort of, um, you know, raw as possible. I mean, that said, when I later when I was looking to shoot the movie, I looked at lots of movies, but I didn't look at thematically similar movies. Like I didn't look at Kramer versus Kramer um, because 
I wasn't, it wasn't a style of movie that I was really that interested in for this. I looked, you know, at, you know, the Maisel brothers and Cassavetes and the French New Wave and things that felt more uh, in the style of what I was trying to do. I mean, I looked, you know, we, Faye Dunaway's Kitchen and Three Days of the Condor, which is in Brooklyn Heights, you know, we, you know, modeled some of the Berkman's kitchen on, you know, so it, you know, then, then movie influences become completely, you know, specific and make no sense in a press conference. But, uh, um, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, the, the movie, I, you know, the, the, the only, the, the, the divorce movie, American divorce movie that I really love, um, but again, wasn't a conscious influence on this is Shoot the Moon. I think yeah. that's a great one. That's a beautiful film, yeah. Some of the same feelings, yeah. Questions about the uh, uh, this being a more autobiographical um, movie than, than your others and um, and reactions of your family and well, I in writing this, you know, it was it was important for me to not censor myself to really try and I don't know write as honestly as possible. And again, that doesn't mean as literally real as possible, but as honestly as possible. I mean, the, the going back to the Walt you know, plagiarizing Pink Floyd to me feels like a very kind of honest, you know, confessional on my part, even though it's not something I actually did. <laughs> you know, uh, the family playing tennis, my family never played doubles together, but somehow we all did play tennis. We, I, I, I the bubble was something I took lessons in, you know, I, you know, it's all a kind of mixture of things. So, um, and, and it's, and it, it's, it's interesting because the connection to from I almost don't know how much of it's real anymore. You know, I, I uh, um, you know, I, I maybe someday I'll I'll write out a list. I'll do an annotated version of the script and <laughs> figure it out. But um, my parents, you know, similarly, I've had a great reaction to it. I mean, they're writers, too, and they've both written about their their parents uh, fictionally. And so, you know, it's all part of the whole mess of stuff that writers do, I guess. And, you know, and, and, you know, my, my dad, when he saw it, I, I, I said that he was rooting for Walt to leave the hospital room. And I thought that was a great comment because I think, you know, for him, he was identifying with the kid. Talking about the sequence after, immediately after, uh, Walt leaves the hospital, cut to street hassle. Yes. Yeah. The, the, no, I mean, the, the, that's actually, um, most of the music in the movie I had I, an idea of before, not necessarily for which scene, but I knew I wanted to use, uh, I wanted to try and use Burt Janch, uh, this British folk uh, singer-songwriter and, and, and Loudon Wainwright. Um, uh, uh, but the ending I had had, uh, it's, there was a piece by Beethoven that I kept listening to when I was towards rewriting the script and then uh, even in like the you know car on the way to the set every day and and I was very moved by this piece and I thought you know maybe I'm going to try and do use this this Beethoven piece at the end of the movie and um, I when I cut that sequence or a version of that sequence I dropped it in and it it, it started to feel like a wine commercial to me or something. It was so it was so, it was so treacly and and uh, it's just like this is not at all what I imagined. And um, so I removed it. And I then um, Dean Wareham, uh, who uh, composed the music, uh, the score for the movie, uh, gave me Street Hassle. Um, and not even necessarily for the ending, just as a kind of, it said he felt like the movie in some way to him. And so I initially cut Walt running from the hospital to the, the dun, 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 you know, and 
uh, and then dropped it out and I experimented with silence at the end or, um, you know, just the whale sounds. And, you know, I, I had a lot of different, you know, versions. And then at one point I was thinking, why not just play it out and see what happens? And I, it's funny because I initially had thought, you know, probably because I was, you know, some sort of sentimental side of myself, oh, well, Lou Reed's too arch. It's not, you know, it, it won't be right for the end of a movie. And once I played it, I was just like, his voice is so full of emotion. And, and, um, and in a way, it's not the kind of thing that should end a movie. And that's right. That's right for this. And so I recut it with Street Hassle. And then, you know, I also cut the song a little bit. But um, that was, it was, I mean, it's, it, it's that's a great thing in editing and, and fun, you know. And, and I mean, and music is so important to me in this movie and, and important to me in my life. And so it, it's a great discovery to kind of find a song that does you don't think is going to work and... You know, I always have that even as a viewer of movies, like songs I can't stand. Somehow I'll see them in a movie and I'm bur bursting into tears. You know, it's, it's always interesting how they change when they're in the movie. Hey, you did that, too. I mean, I, I, I have so many connotations with Hey, you from my childhood and the wall. And, you know, by the time I finished it in this movie, I was thinking like United We Stand, Divided We Fall are the lyrics in this. You know, it's like it was written about divorce and <laughs> I uh, um then I was thinking maybe it's too on the nose, you know, even though I didn't intend it. But Have, Having written with something so close to you, would it be harder in the future to uh, work with other people's scripts or adaptations of other books? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, the, writing this changed how I, I work, I mean, and how I write. And I, I think I really, it was it's my third movie, but I feel like I kind of found myself as a uh, filmmaker on this movie. And I... Uh, you know, in some ways, it's the movie I always wanted to make that I didn't know I was going to make, you know, and uh, so, but, you know, obviously not everything I write is going to be this, you know, is, is going to be this movie and, you know, but it, you know, it's all about finding yourself in the material and, and, you know, if, you know, I don't know how many adaptations I'm going to do or, you know, but I, you know, I, I think, you know, as a filmmaker, um, this changed how I'm going to approach everything. But that said, I probably have to rediscover myself again on the next one, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and see where that takes me. My relationship with Wes Anderson, uh, w you know, we're, we're really good friends, <laughs> you know. Um, we, we met, uh, I don't know, in the uh, late 90s, <laughs> take you back to 1998. Uh, and... Um, uh, and we just became friends. And what I think was nice about our collaboration on on Life Aquatic and our collaboration on this, uh, you know, in, in terms of him as a producer, uh, is that it really came from our friendship. So it 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 felt like a natural extension. You know, we we hang out together. We talk about movies. We you know we would come up with movie ideas. We would you know, um, and so then we did it kind of officially, um, and that was nice. I mean, we we. Uh, you know, we, we would always write together in a restaurant, too. And I think that was unconsciously it was a way to sort of, you know, put ourselves in the in the kind of world of our friendship and then try and work. Laura Linney hasn't hasn't uh, hasn't played a mother before. And so you're asking uh, what what about her um, click? Well, I, I what Laura has a kind I, I think a very um, often has a very rational 
direct feeling as an actor. I think it's almost like you trust Laura to be sense to ha to have sense in a movie in a way. And I I I wanted. I mean, on one hand, I wanted her to give uh, you know really make a case for Joan, but because Joan, in a way, you know, I think is saying a lot of stuff as if they're rational and and talking to her children in a way that seems fairly um, straightforward and and she's leveling with them, but maybe isn't always the best thing to be telling them at that time. And and I I like the idea of having somebody like Laura that the audience would get behind and then maybe question, well, maybe maybe this isn't the right thing exactly. And 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 I think also Joan is also caught up in her head a lot. There's a lot she can't say on the other side of it. And uh and there's so much sort of, you know, I because I think we entered this movie to some degree from the kid's perspective. Joan is a mystery for a little bit of the movie. We don't know why she's breaking up the marriage. Then we don't know that, you know, what's been going on. And um, I, I, I liked, again, this sort of idea of having someone like Laura, who seems so present, being so distracted so much of the time. Um, I mean, that's a now in retrospect, you know, <laughs> analysis of why I picked her. I picked her because I just love her as an actor. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.